It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, here as always with my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. And uh, Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Well, it's, uh, you know, we were just talking before we press record. I'm doing all right. I'm back to work after a week of vacation and... I mean, the holidays, it was incredible, and being back to work is the exact opposite. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to take a break from the real life and talk about some fantasy football with you, and there's there's tons to cover this week as far as news and everything that's happening with training camp, so I'm really excited to dive in. And we got football tomorrow night. Our Steelers play tomorrow night, so I'm pretty jacked for that as well. So I'm feeling pretty good, buddy. How about you? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a nice weather week here, which is great. Uh, we got some family in town. The siblings are in town and visiting, getting some aunt and uncle time with our boys, which is great. Uh, we've got a little, you know, small ceremony wedding coming up. It's like slowly but surely, you know, things are kind of, I wouldn't say getting back to normal, but they're they're kind of leaning gently back to normal. So uh, we're on the right track and it's it's nice to uh, live life outside of these four walls in our backyard. It's pretty special. Yeah, but, okay. uh, yeah, we got lots to do, and it's an exciting time. Like you said, football is back. We are in the zone. Preseason is happening tomorrow and all through the month of August, and then it is kickoff time. It's draft season. It's trade season. Oh, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, I remember back when we were talking about hot dog toppings and which style shoelace knot we like to do. And uh, now we've got some real <laughs> football, but that means that we've got a million things to talk about. So uh, let's get at it. But before we get down to business, if you're new to the show, welcome in. Welcome to the Fancy Falcon Football Podcast. We're happy to have you. And uh, to everybody listening, whether you're an OG Falcomaniac or brand new to the show, please help us out. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, talk about the show. Share the show with the people you know. Uh, like I just said, we're into draft season now, and if you want to be a fantasy champion, you got to put in the work. And you know what? We want the best for the people around us. We want them to be fantasy Falcon champions too, so help them out. Your co-workers, your, well, maybe not your league mates, but your friends, your family, anybody really. We're... Uh, we're asking you to spread, you know, word of mouth, get the show out there. And uh, just like last week, we need a little something extra from you, Falcomaniacs. If you haven't done so yet, head over to Instagram and Twitter. Follow us at Falcomaniacs. And uh, whenever you see a new post that you like, do us a favor and share it. Retweet it, repost it, add it to your stories on Instagram or Facebook. Um, this is the time of year when more and more fantasy managers are really getting serious about their draft prep, and we need your help to make Fantasy Falcon Football a part of their program. Yeah, we do. And uh, like Kyle said, Kyle, you know what? Get yourself some water there, buddy. That was quite the struggle <laughs> through that paragraph, to be honest. But, um, you know, we're, we're 54 episodes into this thing. We've been doing the jersey swap. I kind of dropped the ball this week, but I want to dedicate it to, uh, you know, a loyal listener and one of the original League of Extraordinary Gentlemen owners, uh, the Toddy boy, TJ. His favorite all-time player is Brian Urlacher. So uh, we're going with that number 54 is, is the, the Brian Urlacher episode. Scrapes. There you go. I love it. Yeah, Brian Urlacher. I got to ask you a question. Which Brian Urlacher, though, with or without hair? <laughs> Did you know he was drafted to be a safety? Ninth overall in the in whatever year it was, drafted to be a safety. Can you imagine him roaming back there and lining up against anybody? That, that is fair. <laughs> that is scary. That's a scary thought. Um, anyways, buddy, what do you say we get at her quick here and we hit it up with a very special opening kickoff because today in opening kickoff, we're going to play What You Gonna Do. What are you going to do, big guy? And what you gonna do? What you want? What you want? What you gonna do? All right, so I've got four scenarios for you here, Jeff. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about some players and uh, their ADP and what we like and what we don't like, but I've got four ADP battles for you, okay? So like for this. number one, for question number one, I've got three players that are all being drafted at the 804, fourth pick of the eighth round. I want you to rank them in order. The number one guy is who you would draft, Okay. So I've got Michael Carter, rookie running back with the New York Jets. Jalen Hurts, who's coming into his second year uh, and his first year as the starting quarterback for the Eagles. And Robbie Anderson with the Panthers. So Michael Carter, Jalen Hurts, Robbie Anderson. What you going to do at the 804? Well, this is a 
an interesting one to start because like I'd be happy with any of these guys at this pick, right? It just it obviously depends on the rest of your roster's makeup. But um, I, if we're talking about this year strictly, I've we've, we had Hurts in our top ten projected quarterbacks. Roby Anderson, you know, he had a great year last year with his boy Ab Darnold back in town now. Um, I don't know why, but in my gut, just saying Michael Carter is going to do something, so I'm going with Carter. Going for the depth running back. All right. I like it. Yeah, it's a it's all of these are going to be, you know, players that could help you out. They're all kind of just a preference of who you like. So the upside of a guy who may, you know, break out into being a, a bit of a workhorse. I think Tevin Coleman's there and then there's not much else in the backfield. No, right. I feel like he's the kind of guy that, you know, it could be kind of a league winner. I'm not saying he's going to be, but, you know, he starts off slow and then he picks up at the right time once he gets acclimated to the NFL and, and can put up some big numbers when it really counts at the end of the season. Absolutely. And on that note, um, you know, guys like that, I personally, it's not that I avoid drafting them, but I definitely don't look to add them in the draft. When I get into those late rounds and I want to take a flyer, I'm either looking for somebody who I think might take over in the first couple of weeks or someone who might be, um, you know, a big part of my team for those first couple of weeks. Like we've talked about Raheem Mostert and how at the start of the season, his his competition for touches is is lower than it's going to be later. So I might I might look for a guy like that who I can put into my lineup for the first month and then maybe move on from. But uh, I like it. All right, our second ADP battle. We're going a little bit lower here. We're into the 10th round. We're at the 10.04. So we've got uh, three pass catchers. We've got Brandon Cooks, you know, kind of a perennial 1,000-yard whatever guy. Jalen Waddell, who uh, is is down in Miami and uh, looking to be part of that new passing attack. And then we've got Evan Engram, who uh, we mentioned last week on our tight end rankings. We are just, you know, he had a big rookie season and we've just been waiting and waiting for the breakout. So Brandon Cooks, Jalen Waddell, Evan Engram, who do you want on your roster? Uh, well, as far as Engram and breakouts, I think he's the, the reason a fought broke out at uh <laughs> uh, fight broke out at camp there this week, so uh, not the kind of breakout we're hoping for. Uh, you know what? This one's so almost insulting to be putting Brandon Cooks with these guys, but you know, with Tyrod Taylor under center and all the uncertainty in Houston, I mean, they, you know, you're usually looking for a receiver who's on a team playing from behind, but I just you can't see much efficiency from that offense whatsoever in Houston. So, I mean, I would take Cooks and hoping that maybe something happens with Watson or they make a trade. I don't know. I would take Cooks just because I feel like he's the safest pick. I'm been there, done that with Evan Ingram. I'm not uh, falling for that again. And Waddle is, you know, I like the story. I like the connection he's got with Tua, but rookie receivers, I don't love the pass offense in Miami. So, yeah, I'd go with, with Cooks. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. Um, you know, if something happens where Watson is, you know, he's been at camp. Now he's been injured uh, a little bit the last couple of days. Nothing serious, but uh, he's been at camp. We don't really know what his status is, but it sounded like maybe his case might get pushed into you know, following the Super Bowl, basically, uh, that would immediately skyrocket Brandon Cook's value. Uh, but the reality is that even with Tyrod under center, he is the pass catcher, right? Will Fuller is gone. Um, Brandon Cooks is going, or now Randall Cobb is gone. Brandon Cooks is going to get peppered with targets no matter who's under center. And as long as they're, you know, competent 50% of the time, uh, he's going to be okay at least to have on your roster. So I'd go that way too. All right, let's talk about some studs here. For the third uh, ADP battle, I want to know what you're going to do at the 208. So we've got DeAndre Hopkins, J.K. Dobbins, and Calvin Ridley all going around the 208. What you going to do, Jeff? Well, uh, I think first glance I'm taking Calvin Ridley. I'm really high on him. I think he could finish as the WR1 this year. Um, obviously with Julio to town, there's lots of targets to go around and Pitts comes in at tight end, but everybody knows the story there. But I just, I really love what Ridley is capable of. Hopkins is just a, you know, Nuke is just a stud every single year. And Dobbins showed flashes. I don't know if I would trust him enough to take him as uh, a second round running back unless he was my second running back. If I took a running back in the first round, I'm trying to load up on RB. Uh, and then in the second round, I would be happy with uh, Dobbins as my RB2, but having him as my RB1, I don't know if if that's how I want to roll all season. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'm taking a running back in the first round, and then I'm going with Ridley at the 208. Fair enough. See, and I, I like Ridley a lot this year, but, uh, you know, I took a glance at my rankings, and I knew, I knew I had Hopkins higher. I've got him two spots higher. I actually had him um, 
at the number three. Now that will be adjusted. I had Devontae Adams at number four since I didn't know what was going on with Rodgers when we uh, when we did that. But uh, just the target volume that he got last year was insane. Now he's got another year with uh, Kyler. And we talked about it in the wide receiver ranks. His touchdown numbers um, should regress upwards. Uh, so I'd go with him with a slight edge. But yeah, either one of the receivers for sure over Dobbins. All right, our last one. This is a middle rounder. These are where you can sometimes find a gem or you can throw a pick away into the wind. And uh, we've got a camp battle going on with our ADP 511. So we've got the two running backs from Denver, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And then your boy, Kenny G, Kenny Galladay, uh, who was not part of that brawl you mentioned uh, at Giants because he pulled his hamstrings very slightly oh, today weird. so or yesterday. So uh, we've got those three players all going at the 5'11". Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, Kenny Galladay. What you going to do in the fifth round? Uh, I think you put this one in here on purpose just to get me to say this, but I would go with Kenny Galladay. Whoa! Yeah, and you know how much I don't ever want to roster him again, but I just don't love the uncertainty with both those running backs. I feel like Gordon's going to have a you know a bigger role early and then potentially lose that, and Javante Williams might start slow and then pick up steam at the end of the year. Um, I kind of want to avoid that as with my fifth-round pick. I'd rather somebody I can rely on, so I'm going with uh, Galladay, who's not the most reliable, but he's supposed to be a WR1, so I can justify it after the draft, after you know he's been dealing with his hamstring for nine weeks (laughs) yeah see i would go gordon i would go gordon here and i'll tell you why not just because uh you know in the news we're going to talk about what word is coming out from broncos camp but we mentioned in our running back show uh he looks like he's going to get the majority of the workload up front even if um you know even if williams gets worked in Philip Lindsay's gone. Lindsay had, you know, well over 100 carries last year. So if Javante Williams even gets that workload, Gordon's in line to kind of do what he did last year, which was just fine for your team. Um, but really, it gives you the flexibility to do what we talked about with the first uh, player here, Michael Carter, to take a player like that in the eighth round who might not do much. Like I said, I don't want to pick guys like that because I don't want to sit and wait. Well, if I've got Melvin Gordon for five or six weeks getting the starters workload, even if it transitions away from him, later on in the draft, it gives me the freedom to take a player like a Michael Carter or something like that or a Jalen Waddle and give them a little bit of time because I've got a flex player in Gordon that I picked up in the fifth round. So... Yeah, that would like kind it. of be like yeah, it. that would kind of be my way. But uh, yeah, fun little game. We haven't we haven't played what you're gonna do for a little while, so I thought that'd be pretty cool. But uh, we have got a dog pile, a New York Giant sized dog pile of fantasy news to get to. So what do you say we hit it? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for Fantasy Football News. So, like we said already, the Steelers and Cowboys start off the preseason with the Hall of Fame game starting tonight, basically. Once you're listening to this, it'll be today. Um, We do know that both quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger and Dak Prescott, won't be playing. Um, Ben is probably just because he's 100 years old, but with Dak, it's this lingering shoulder injury. He tried to come back, but now they're holding him out of practice. This is starting to become something that might be something. I don't know how you're feeling about it, but uh, uh, it's something to watch on that you know, p- potentially high-powered offense in Dallas. Yeah, it sounds like they're just kind of being cautious. They're not worried, but they also recognize that you know this is what it is. It's a week one preseason game, and they're not going to risk anything after last year. It's not even like week one, is it? It's like no, week point before, five. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a preseason to the preseason. Um, somebody who could be active for a lot of the preseason is Najee Harris, the Steelers, you know, stud running back drafted in the first round this year. He wants to play in all the preseason games. Um, pardon me. I don't know if you've been listening to this guy or seeing any of the camp videos, but he's saying all the right things. He's just, you know, he's making me fall head over heels for him. And, and I'm starting to, you know, consider trade offers that are, might not be my best interest just because I want to roster this guy. But, uh, you know, he wants to get out there and play and show his team what he can do in the preseason. So uh, it's exciting to have him on our squad for sure. Um, moving to New England, Bill Belichick says that Damian Harris, running back Damian Harris, is in position to become the lead back this year. 
Uh, we talked about this a little while ago, how we don't really trust the New England backfield, but Damian Harris showed flashes when he was healthy on the and on the field last season. Uh, if he can stay on the field this year, maybe he, he does have some value. Obviously, with Cam Newton, a quarterback, poaching touchdowns, that kind of limits what he can do, but Harris is, is a name to watch as draft season approaches here. Uh, Denver, we got word out of camp, like you said earlier, that Melvin Gordon is clearly the lead back coming into the season. So uh, I don't know if that'll change as the, the season approaches. Javante Williams is obviously a, a legit talent they like and they traded up for, but Gordon's got the, the early hold on the lead back role. Uh, more intriguing news out of Denver, though, is Cortland Sutton is having trouble getting to 100%. Coaches have noticed it. Uh, people watching videos on social media, they're posting it and making comments. He doesn't look right coming off that uh, ACL surgery from last year. Uh, you know, a lot of people talked about how he had the surgery early, you know, the injury early in the season, so it gave him basically the maximum amount of time to get ready. But uh, it still sounds like something's not right. So, I don't know. Have you moved him or adjusted him in your rankings at all? Um, I haven't looked exactly where he's going to end up, but this definitely does. Um, this definitely does affect it for sure. I can speak from experience. There is a mental block when you're coming back from an injury like that. That last hurdle is going live against, you know, other live players. And there's a bit of a mental block of, you know, learning to trust it again. But like you said, this is, you know, he was injured immediately um, at the beginning of last season and has had the better part of a year to recover and, you know, apparently looked great against air looked great in you know in in past practice in minicamp but uh just doesn't have the same explosiveness that made him such a dangerous weapon a couple of years ago so this definitely bears watching and it could mean big things for uh the other pass catchers there as well yeah that was the guy that's got uh judy tang on his roster i'm pretty excited about what uh, that could hold for him <laughs> so uh, we shall see what happens uh, Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns. This one kind of surprised me, to be honest. They signed a three-year, $37 million extension with $20 million guaranteed. So the Browns have locked up uh, both members of that stud backfield for at least the next two seasons. Um, and Chubb gets the, you know, this financial security he obviously wants and uh, can just worry about playing football this year. Um, Green Bay, obviously, we talked about this last week with Aaron Rodgers back in town. There was rumors that he wanted Randall Cobb back. Well, he got Randall Cobb back. Uh, it's a restructured deal in Green Bay. He's going back to uh, you know where he grew up and play the slot for his quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this kind of limits what Amari Rodgers could do, who I was uh, you know kind of quietly ha- excited about uh, coming into the season, but uh, probably just plays it for a year anyways. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. And also, um, I think this affects Robert Tunyon quite a bit as well. Cobb was a big end zone target uh, for Rodgers when they were paired up when it was them and Jordy Nelson. Uh, He looked his way a lot in the red zone and on those scoring plays. Um, And that was Tunyon's whole game last year, like we talked about last week. So this definitely shuffles things up. And we'll see, you know, Cobb didn't look great last season in Houston, but we'll see what he's got left in the tank here. Well, you mentioned mental hurdles earlier about uh, coming off injuries and in Cincinnati, the reports out of the first day of camp were not great, uh, not regarding Joe Burrow's knee, but regarding the pass rush and the O-line there that's you know built to protect their franchise quarterback. Apparently, they just got dominated the first day on all the quarterbacks were under incredible pressure all day long. I mean, it's, you know, you practice what you play. What's the, the old saying? You practice hard. I don't know what he's going to get used to <laughs> running for his life. So it's probably a good thing, but uh, not ideal if you're a Cincy fan and you're relying on the pass catchers, uh, ideally. Well, and I don't usually like to call you on your mistakes, but I do have to point this one out. You said the O-line is built to protect their pass thrower. The O-line should be built to protect their pass thrower but when you pass on the greatest alignment in a decade to come into the draft to take another wide receiver that you don't particularly need you're gonna have problems sorry joe well jamar chase better be something <laughs> uh scary news out of los angeles and their new quarterback matt stafford who uh, he bashed his thumb on a helmet uh, in practice there this week and this is the same thumb that was surgically repaired in the offseason he dealt with the injury all last year it sounds like it's very minor and uh, he should be back in a couple of days. And uh, Sean McVay even went a little further and said, we're going to start implementing the, I don't know if you've seen where old linemen have like pads on their helmets in practice. So in case something hap- like this happens, it's almost like a pillow to, to cushion the blow. So no, nobody gets hurt. Um, so obviously they got to do everything they can to protect the new quarterback. And we, everybody wants to see what happens with uh, Stafford in, in a real offense. Um, New York football giants news. They have signed Alfred Morris. I don't know if this 
means anything for Saquon's recovery. It sounds like he's going to start the year on the pup, or sorry, training camp on the pup. So uh, this could just be RB depth for training camp. But obviously, all signs point to Saquon not being 100% by the start of the year. And after it was called a late hit by Corey Clement at Giants. So this is the fight, is it? So Corey Clement started this thing, and Daniel Jones ended up on the bottom of the pile. Exactly what you need if you're a Giants fan. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the start of August. Uh, not pretty at all, but, you know, that yeah, I, I overheard somebody talking about that division, and, you know, they are talking about betting props and how Joe Judge, the, the odds on him winning Coach of the Year are just great odds, and the division's so bad. And then this like this news broke immediately as he was saying his his reasoning for taking the Giants. So <laughs> it didn't it didn't come together very nicely for him. But no, uh, not a good start for, for <clears throat> the Giants. I can tell you as a former player, as a football coach, this happens especially usually a little bit later in camp when guys have been you know they're getting beat up, they're hot, they've been working hard after the off season, and tempers start to flare and emotions run high. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to have, you know, scraps at your practice or at your camp because it means that, you know, players care. It means that they care about what they're doing and they're and they're taking things personally, even though it's your teammates. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this one was a bit odd. Yeah, it, it sounds like it was a maybe a questionably late hit. And then Evan Engram came running in and decked somebody, and then someone else came running in and decked him. And literally every single player on the field ran from wherever they were and got involved. And underneath the 90 players, they found <laughs> Daniel Jones spitting <laughs> turf out of his mouth, out of his, uh, like, stuck in his face mask, right? So that's not what you want. You don't want your starting quarterback on the bottom. But it sounds like a high school football practice because then Joe Judge has them running wind sprints, has them doing, you know, up downs. He's yelling and screaming and, you know, press members are saying, I've never heard a professional coach talking like this. But at the same time, um, you know, they talked to Sterling Shepard after the practice and I guess he they asked him, well, what do you think? And guys are complaining about it and this and that. And he said, well, you know what? If you don't like it, get out of here because we love Joe and we're going to do what we need to do. And, you know, today was a wake up call for where we're at and, and this and that. So it doesn't sound like like uh, Judge is alienating the players and something like this early on could actually bring that team together. And like you mentioned, the division that they're in, um, and the talent that they have in Saquon and in Galladay and in you know other pieces on their offense, and they add they've added on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're in a position where they could uh, they could easily end up at the top of this division if they can string some games together. I can't wait to find out another news in that division. Uh, star rookie Devonta Smith Heisman winning rookie Devonta Smith tweaked his knee at practice. Uh, something to do with his MCL. He's expected to miss two to three weeks, so not ideal if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, and Indy, this was the huge news this week. So we talked about, I think we, we mentioned Carson Wentz on last week's episode, if not anyways. Um, crazy news. Indy lost both Carson Wentz and, more importantly, in my opinion, all pro, all pro guard Quentin Nelson. Uh, both have are, are basically having the exact same surgery on their foot, uh, both their individual feet. Um, they're both going to be out 5 to 12 weeks. And... You know, I've been a guy that's been very, very high on Jonathan Taylor this whole entire off season. I uh, we did a mock draft. I took him fourth overall over some other big names, and yeah, obviously with Wentz going down, it affects what Taylor was capable of. But with Quentin Nelson going down, you know, somebody who's you know all pro and probably the best at his position for the last three to five years, uh, you don't just replace somebody like that. So I'm moving him, Jonathan Taylor, down my draft board quite a bit, and. Um, yeah, he's probably you know closer to the ten range than he is the to the top five five range. So, uh, not great out of Indy camp. There's rumors they may be trading for a quarterback right now. Now Jacob Beeson has taken first team reps, and you know, I don't know how expectations <laughs> and you know this is a team built to win right now too, right? So this is pretty devastating. I haven't heard some Philip Rivers, you know, potentially coming out of retirement news, but he's got to wait till his coaching season's over with the high school football team. But um, yeah, what a mess in Indy and Carson Wentz just continues to. You know, when miss time with injury. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? The when he misses time with injury, his team wins the Super Bowl. So maybe it's a good thing. I've yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard some uh, Nick Foles rumors coming back. I've heard some Jimmy Can Garoppolo rumors. Man, <laughs> I could see that happening. And if that happens, Wentz is going to have a total breakdown. Like 
part of this project, this reclamation project, was him getting his head on straight. I can't imagine if he, you know, if he's closer to the the 10 or 12 week absence and they brought Foles in again and he was having success. Like, you're not going to put Wentz back in now. He's never played a down for you. Uh, Yeah, that would be, I think that would be it. He'd, you know, the next time we see him, he's going to be pushing a shopping cart around Indianapolis trying to show people his Super Bowl ring and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all the best to both these guys. Like, for, <clears throat> what's that? And it's $128 million that he's guaranteed. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, you're absolutely right. L- the loss of Wentz is, is bad, but the loss of Nelson is absolutely devastating. He's one of the best. Uh, he's one of the rare linemen who's top of his game in run blocking and pass blocking, a big part of their success. Um, this definitely affects all the pass catchers in India are off the board right now until they figure something else out. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, I already was lower on him, but I, I think he'd even slide down a few more spots in my in my rankings. Um, Naheem Hines might go up a little bit because whoever's in there is going to be under more pressure than, than they thought, and those quick dump-offs can be super valuable. Uh, he showed last year he can perform um in real football and in fantasy football but uh yeah devastating news for Colts fans sorry one more note on this it almost feels like Quentin Nelson when he heard how long Wentz was going to be out like he was like five to twelve weeks there's no way this is a five to twelve week (laughs) give it to me too I'll show you how fast you can get back from this thing like it's it's almost it's wild but uh yeah like you said Nelson's one of the all-time well, the, well, the best in the league right now. So that's he's creating holes for Jonathan Taylor, and those you can't just replace that with the next guy in line. Well, and both of these are weird injuries. I don't know if you looked into that, but Wentz apparently he had already hurt his foot, but it was okay. And then just through wear and tear over the last year or so, like the bone that had been injured shifted, and now it's out of place, and that's what needs to be fixed. But for Nelson, it was like it was some abnormality in his foot that he was actually born with and never knew about. And same thing, just all of a sudden something wasn't right. And they, and then they found it upon inspection. So neither guy, it's not like anyone like stomp, you know, it's not like, uh, Frank Reich didn't like what he saw in Carson Wentz and snuck into his dorm room <laughs> and stomped on his foot or, you know, did a misery type kind of thing. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's just, you know, one of those things, but two people, two super valuable members of your team in the same, week in the same with the same injury and the same timeline five weeks is nothing if it's five weeks great you're back week two and you're good to go if it's 12 weeks ugh, you could be bottom of your division unless you get something figured out so yeah we'll we'll keep you updated when we know more for sure um anyways we gotta uh we gotta get to the falcon maniacs we gotta get to our business today but uh let's hit it up let's get to the falcon maniacs fan zone oh my god oh my god Welcome to the Falcomaniacs Fan Zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! So, thanks again to everyone who reached out to us on last week's question. Remember, you can always send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. Uh, you can reply by vote or by comment on Instagram at Falcomaniacs. Or you can send us a voicemail using the link in the show description. So last week, uh, we had a really quick two-minute drill question for you. We asked you if you had to get rid of one of these positions in your fantasy league, would it be kicker or defense? Would you get rid of the kicker or would you get rid of DST? Uh, We put the question out all over. We got a lot of feedback and it was not even close. It reminded me of when we put up our mock draft teams, Jeff. It was a landslide. Yeah, it was. 62% said get rid of kickers, the reason being that uh, they're the least predictable and most lucky. 18% said defense, but there was a general consensus that it was pretty predictable and could be streamed or targeted the same way other positions are. And then 20% wrote in a third option and said get rid of both. Replacing with IDP or adding extra flex positions was the most popular alternative. I don't know about get rid of both. I want to add more. Let's just add punters somehow. um yeah that was there was a lot of people who said get rid of get rid of both or said that they had gotten rid of both and just added one or two extra flex spots or started doing idp and how much happier everybody was doing that 
Um, but, uh, you know what, if you like having, you know, the kicker can be like the, the secret power up. It's like in Mario Kart, you're at the back and you get the blue shell and all of a sudden you're right back in the game. If you have Justin Tucker go out and hit 550 yarders for you, you're pretty happy. So, um, you know what, whatever makes you happy, Falcon Maniacs do it. But, uh, if you're not exactly happy, this is the time of year to start talking to your commissioner. Don't wait till week three when Greg Zerline goes out and beats you with 27 points. Do it now. Talk to your commissioners now and, uh, figure out how you want to format your league. But thanks everybody for, uh, for letting us know. We, we always love to hear from the Falcon Maniacs and we'd love to, uh, get your thoughts out on the show here. Anyways, Jeff, we have some exciting business. We're all done with our ranking series. If you haven't had a chance yet um, to listen, go back, uh, take a look at our last few episodes. We went through our quarterback. We did two episodes on our quarterback rankings, two on our running back rankings, two on wide receiver. And last week, we hit our top 20 tight end rankings, and we talked about uh, how that position might work out in your league. Um, but this week we're giving you something that I know a lot of people have been waiting for. They've been asking us about it. We are going to look at three types of players that you need to know going into your fantasy draft, which might be happening anytime. Now we are going to break down our favorite sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So what do you say here, Jeff? Let's get started with our sleepers. Fantasy football sleepers. I've got a guy. I've got a guy deep, deep, deep in the 10th round, almost the 11th round. He's right now going at the 10-0-10. He's way outside of the top 40 wide receivers off the board. And his name is LaVisca Chenault. Jags fans, drink up. That's right, man. That took a while. I know we almost didn't get to it. I actually, I actually only put him in the show just to make sure that we would hit on it because I know everybody out there is just, you know, they're they're itching, their throats getting dry, thirsty. So let me tell you about Lavisca Chanel. Let me tell you why this is the sleeper that I'm targeting late in the late in my drafts, just before you know that. While I'm in leagues that still have kicker and defense for now, and uh, just before I get to the kicker and defense zone. I'm looking to add LaVisca Chenault Jr. Last year, as a as a first-year player, he only finished as the wide receiver 53, so, you know, not great. But from weeks 13 to 16, the last quarter of the season, he was the wide receiver 26, so he was just outside the wide receiver 2 range. He thrived last year in Jacksonville once he got an opportunity. He came in, nobody was talking about him. And he kind of slowly earned the trust of several quarterbacks who were throwing him the ball. But the biggest surprise last year was at the end of the season, he had actually outplayed DJ Chark, who was a darling last year. He wasn't, Chark wasn't even a sleeper last year in fantasy football. He was a player that people were calling for a true breakout season because he had done so much the year before. Now, all this was dealing with a uh, like a haunted house. It was like a carousel of horrors at quarterback. Now he's got a generational talent. There it is, ding ding, key phrase. Generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. He has a chance right now in camp to establish a rapport with Lawrence. These two guys could be together for a long time. And he has the ability to establish himself as a playmaking pass catcher who can make things happen on quick targets. And that is going to be the key for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We saw what happened and it was so unfortunate and so terrible. But we saw last year with the number one pick, Joe Burrow, what happened when you can't get the ball out of your hands quick and your line can't protect you. That is not the road Jacksonville wants to go down. They are going to focus this year on getting those quick targets out, protecting Lawrence, keeping him on his feet, and keeping the offense moving. Um, as far as his his ability on those short targets to make plays, Chenault broke eight tackles last year, which was the same number as Tyreek Hill, same number as DK Metcalf. Those guys are pretty, 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 pretty good. good. But he had like half as many receptions, so he broke the same number of tackles as those two players, but only only caught the ball about half as many times. 
Overall, he's going number 123. He's player 123 off the board. I will always take a chance on a guy who could emerge as the number one pass catcher on his team. So that's my sleeper, LaVisca Chenault Jr. I like it. I'm, I was a fan of him. I drafted him last year and then ended up trading him midseason. And um, and then I acquired Chark. So I've been kind of not trying to get Chenault back, but I love the talent for sure. And like you said, he is going to be the guy in the slot, right? There you got Marvin Jones. They got Chark on the outside. They're the big-bodied receivers and deep threats and... And Lawrence is going to be just slinging it to Chenault and Etienne on these under routes and then hopefully taking the top off of the other guys. So I like that pick a lot. Um, my receiver, I, not my sleeper, sorry, is another receiver for the Chicago Bears, um, Darnell Mooney, who's, I don't know if you're on Twitter very much, but social media, is he's kind of becoming a darling. They're, they're showing footage of him just roasting you know, the likes of Jalen Ramsey and other, you know, top cornerbacks in the league, just the bad quarterback play is the other part of that story. So, <laughs> you know, he burns Jalen Ramsey, gets, you know, three yards behind him, and then the football goes 15 yards over his head and out of bounds because it was from Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles. So, um, obviously, with Andy Dalton kind of holding the fort until Justin Fields takes over, he should get better quarterback play regardless uh, of what he's had. And the real reason I chose him is the the Bears moved on from uh, Anthony Miller and traded him to Houston this week. Um, this is a team that's not loaded with playmakers, especially a wide receiver. They've got Allen Robinson and then everybody else. So I think Mooney has a real, real opportunity to carve out a role. I think the team likes him a lot if they're willing to move on from Miller and uh, – yeah, I think he's got uh, potential to be uh, you know a solid WR three or four, um, four to start, and then up to three by the time the season's over. So you know, right now he's ranked like fifty third out of all the receivers on uh, the Fantasy Pros website. I think he can climb up that list quite easily if uh, the the volume is there. That I like, I think it will be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you're looking for with a sleeper, right? And, uh, you know, to those out listening, when you're going into your draft, it's a good idea. I'm sure you're going online, you're looking up sleeper lists. But I find sometimes you look at a sleeper list and they're talking about like the sixth round. That's not a sleeper. That's like you're rolling the dice, but everybody's rolling the dice on those same names, right? When I think of sleeper, I'm thinking of a guy who... You know, he may go late, late, late in the draft. He may go undrafted, but I want to stake my claim. I want to get a piece of that player because I believe that it could turn into something. Last year, there were people who reached in the end in the end of their draft and took a little uh, took a little known wide receiver named Justin Jefferson. Ever heard of him? Yeah, you have now. And uh, that's a steal. Or they reached out and took and saw, okay, you know, Leonard Fournette's gone and and Ryquel Armstead has COVID and Chris Thompson's always hurt. So I'm going to take this this James Robinson fellow. Well, that worked out pretty well for you. Um, now, I'm not saying that uh, LaVisca Chenault or Darnell Mooney is going to turn into Justin Jefferson. But in the 10th round, in the 11th round, you're not counting on these guys for anything. But I'm not about taking, you know, a safe floor. I'm not about taking, a, you know, a guy who I'm like, oh, well, he's going to get 80 targets and he's going to have 70 receptions and he's going to have 700 yards and a handful of touchdowns. No, I want a guy who has a chance to emerge like Darnell Mooney, like LaVisca Chenault, uh, who has a chance to be a steal because that's what pushes your team over the edge. The early picks you've got to hit on, but these late ones is where you really get an edge over your league mates. Now, these next players, these are not guys that are going late in your draft, but these are players that, you know, we've seen a little something, and now we are ready for the breakout. We are ready for them to turn into superstars instead of just stars. So let's get to it. Here are our breakouts. Fantasy Football Breakouts. So for my breakout, Jeff, this is a player that I have already spoken about a couple of times this offseason. In particular, I went pretty in-depth when we were doing our fantasy ups and downs, when we were talking about the the players that we expected to, to outperform or underperform relative to last year. So I'm talking about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, if you want to hear, I'm going to go through a little bit of what I talked about a couple months ago. If you want to hear it, you can go back to episode 44, Fantasy Ups and Downs. Um, and I, I really, I, I kind of got impassioned. I kind of got worked up a little bit. But he is a big riser for me this year. Um, and funny enough, he's a riser for a lot of people because I see his ADP is kind of creeping up the board. 
Uh, but even so, I still see the potential for value there. And that's the biggest thing when you're drafting. You don't want to draft players at their ceiling or the best that they could possibly do. You want to draft them at a reasonable position where they could still you know, outperform your expectation. So last year, his production was really similar to Antonio Gibson in Washington. Uh, CEH had 181 carries for 803 yards and four touchdowns. Antonio Gibson had 170 carries for 795 yards and 11 touchdowns. So three times as many touchdowns. And that obviously is a huge part of why uh, Edwards Alaire finished at the bottom of the RB2 uh, zone. He struggled to convert in the red zone, but he did have good opportunities. Now he is primed to build on those numbers from last year. The Chiefs have bulked up their O-line. If his touchdowns regress to what you would expect and he can stay healthy, he could easily find himself as a top 10 back, like easily. So if I have the chance of drafting a top 10 back, um, you know, in the mid to late second round, I'm all over that. Where do you have CH versus Jonathan Taylor right now? Ooh, so let me see here. In our initial ranks, I had, they weren't far apart. In our initial ranks, I had Jonathan Taylor at nine. I had Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 13. I would say they're probably, mm, they're probably going to be back to back for me right now. I might, I might slide Taylor down to uh, 13 and CEH slide up to 12. Well, uh, that's the, that speaks to just how about values change throughout the off season as well, right? And and that's, maybe we should speak to that as well. Where, you know, you do might do marks drafts a week ago or two weeks ago, but continue to do them right up to the last second of your draft because player values are constantly changing, and something might, uh, you know, pique your interest in a mock draft that can give you an advantage in your real draft. So uh, continue to mock and and always watch values because they're always changing. Um, my breakout is another sophomore player who's, you know, another guy who's getting a lot of hype right now. Um, he had a pretty solid season, his rookie season, but uh, didn't do what a lot of people had expected. It's C.D. Lamb, the, the Cowboys wide receiver. I think this guy is a superstar in the making. He's just, well, you're not in the making. He's just in waiting. He's ready to bust out. Dak Prescott's, I mean, obviously the shoulder is hopefully not a thing, and Dak Prescott's going to be under center for them all season long. Even without Dak last year, CD put up a season of 74 catches on 111 targets, 935 and five touchdowns. Um, the, the big reason I think CD is going to take the next step this year is because right now Amari Cooper's out. And I don't know Amari Cooper personally, but I feel like he doesn't <laughs> give a care. You know what I mean? He's got his bag. And if CD kind of comes over and takes over the alpha, rail, uh, alpha wide receiver role for the team, Amari Cooper strikes me as the kind of guy who would be like yeah all right i'll just keep doing my thing and you throw it to me or throw it to him whatever the case is so he doesn't seem like a guy that demands the ball as much as other wr1s on teams and i think cd lamb i mean he's showing the talent you see all the videos of his one-handed catches in the offseason or in training camp here and and he's got the rapport with Dak early in camp before Dak missed some time i just think this guy's gonna blow up i think michael gallup's gonna be an afterthought in this offense once cooper's back and they're they're running on all cylinders so I think CD Lamb could be as high as you know top ten, even top five. I know people think he could be the WR one this year. I'm not ready to go that far, but I think he could be a top ten receiver when it's all said and done. Yeah, I love it. He's got the he's got the ability. He's on the right kind of team, a high powered offense who still might find themselves you know in close games or even trailing in games and have to pass the ball. Uh, as far as Amari Cooper, it sounds like he's on the right track, but he's not quite ready to return. He he kind of said, I don't want to return at 75% and deal with this all season long. I have you know time to get ready right now. I want to get as close to 100% as I can to start the season and be healthy, ready to go. But in the meantime, Lamb is getting those valuable reps and developing a rapport. And as uh, as Dak kind of, you know, as Dak gets his groove back, uh, when he's back on the field, he's going to be making that connection with his sophomore receiver. I really like this pick. Um, actually, I like both of your picks. These are both guys that I had. I We were texting last night, and I said for sleepers, I had done a whole write-up on Darnell Mooney and then kind of changed my mind and went with Chenault. Um, and then you told me that's who you were going with anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like I like the potential, and I agree Absolutely. In my dynasty league, I've got CD Lamb and I'm I've got CD Lamb, Julio Jones, and uh DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm really, really hoping that uh 
that Lamb kind of completes the breakout this year and and becomes one of those elite names. I love it. Yeah, I do too. And another part, sorry, real quick, is of both of our breakouts is they're going to get a full off season this year, right? These are both guys who were rookies last year and didn't get that the benefit of the training camp and off season with everything COVID re- related. So obviously that's going to be a benefit. And you know the reports at a camp are CDs being moved all over the field this off season as opposed to just staying in the slot. So I'm really really excited. All right, buddy. Well, we've talked about some names that you want to target maybe early in your draft. We've talked about some names that you want to target late, late, late. Oh, this is a tough one because we are going to talk about some players that, uh, you know, personally, I'm going to kind of try to stay away. And it's going to be surprising and it's going to be hate mail central coming in when some of these names come out. But we got to do it. We got to give the people what they want. These are our 2021 busts. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> Fantasy football busts. No offense. <laughs> no, none taken. <laughs> so I've got to set the stage here. Okay, this is not this this is not the segment where we say these players are falling off a cliff. This is not that, right? This is not the season where, you know, all of a sudden running backs fall off and only get 500 yards or wide receivers get slowly phased out of the passing attack. That is not what this is all about. When we are talking about fantasy football busts, we are talking about players who at their draft position are going, we think, are going to disappoint. You're drafting them at their absolute ceiling, and the conditions just aren't there for them to go beyond that. And in reality, the conditions are probably there um, to fall a little bit short. So bear that in mind, especially with this first name. And I, I'll i be honest with you, Jeff. When I was typing this up, when I was putting this in the show doc, I wrote this name down probably 10 times. Wrote the name down backspace. Wrote the name down backspace. I almost couldn't bring myself to do it. But I know the way I feel about this player, and you know what? If we're on, if we're on every week and we're talking about fantasy football and we're giving our insight, I've got to stick with what I believe. So my first bust for this season is DK Metcalf. Same. Hold, what? hold your horses. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Extinguish your crossbow arrows. You don't have to come at me like that. Listen to me. Hear me out, okay? I love DK. I think he is unbelievable. I think he is a physical freak. He is a specimen that if aliens came down and that's what they took back, they would stay away from Earth because they knew they couldn't beat us in anything. He is a great player. I don't think you should avoid drafting him either. I don't think any of the crazy things you're going to accuse me of in your mind right now. But I also don't think you should draft him where he's going. His ADP right now is the fourth wide receiver off the board early in the second round. And I think that that's too high of a price. Looking at our rankings, at our wide receiver rankings that we did, Jeff, we had DK Metcalf. Both of us had him as the number eight wide receiver. That's still great. That's still absolutely fantastic. But I am not willing to to bump him up over four other guys that I'd rather have. Um, it's just you're not going to get the payoff, right? Think of the names that are going up there. And when you look at the ADP, think of these names that are going after. We have DeAndre Hopkins. We have Calvin Ridley. We have Justin Jefferson. We have A.J. Brown. I don't know if I, I can't speak for you, but I would personally draft any of those four players over top of DK Metcalf just because of the potential that they give. Their ceiling is higher than that uh, that I see with DK Metcalf. Um, part of the reason is that Tyler Lockett is in town and I know, you know, he was inconsistent last year. He had some decoy games. He had some absolute blow up 40 point fantasy performances. They just signed Tyler Lockett to a massive, massive extension four years, like $70 million. He is a part of their plan. They are rolling with a one-two punch. So 2021 is not the year that DK becomes the alpha and everybody else just falls off. They're rolling out and there's going to be weeks that DK goes off and there's going to be weeks that Tyler Lockett goes off and there's going to be weeks where they don't throw the ball as much and and they try to run it down their opponent's throat. 
I'm not looking to have the fourth wide receiver off the board be, you know, that variable. Even going around later, we have Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson. Either one of those guys, I think, offers you the same upside that DK does on the Seattle offense. So at the 206, I would rather take the potential that I see in some of those other players, or I'd rather fill in my wider or fill in my running back ranks, get a really, really top-notch um, running back two or a running back one if I went wide receiver in the first round. Uh, or maybe even take a real positional advantage like Darren Waller. That's not usually the way I go, but maybe if I really just wanted to lock it up. But Taking DK at that spot seems, like I said, you're reaching for his ceiling. You're hoping that this new Seattle passing attack is going to be something we haven't seen ever before, which is Russell Wilson just consistently producing all season long. And I don't like it. If he fell to the end of the second round, maybe. If he was early third round, absolutely. But where he's going right now, no, nah, somebody else can have him. There you go. I mean, with the new offensive coordinator in Seattle, we shall see. Uh, I understand the the hesitance. I mean, Tyler Luckett had 100 catches last year. 100 receptions from another guy on your team is, you know, that means you're going to have volatile games and you want, you know, consistency out of your WR1. So I don't blame you for passing on him if, you, if that's how you feel for sure. I really can't wait to see what they do in Seattle this year, though. Um, my bus should be no surprise to anybody. I've kind of been harping on this pass attack all off season and this guy is a guy that i've mentioned plenty of times that i think is actually going to fall off a cliff you were mentioning when you were describing the bus these guys aren't expected to fall off a cliff but i think this guy could uh, it's adam thielen the wide receiver for the minnesota vikings uh we've talked about the touchdown regression i mean i'm just looking at his career stats here last year he had 14 but before that he'd never had more than nine including a year where he had 113 receptions so it's an outlier and i don't think he's going to do it again and without those touchdowns he is way down in our rankings and i just don't see him continuing to perform even at an adam thielen level i think it's it's father time and it's i don't love kirk cousins Uh, i think justin jefferson is going to take a step forward i think dalvin cook's going to eat and uh, yeah i'm just down on thielen like i've been saying all year so adam thielen's my bust and he's not going to be on any of my teams yeah, like last year he because of those because of those touchdowns, he finished as a top ten wide receiver. But if you cut that in half, if you give him kind of what he was expected, you've got a wide receiver too. And uh I think that opinion has definitely slipped a little bit on him, but I agree. He's going way too high. Um it's it's just not taking into consideration. Well, and don't forget the fact that right now Minnesota has no quarterbacks because apparently none of them got vaccinated and all of them uh are sitting out. They're in the corner scratching their heads and making Mike Zimmer lose his mind. But uh yeah, it's it's again a situation of you're you're kind of paying for something that already happened and you're not going to get that back, right? All right, well, I've got a bonus for you here, Jeff. I've got a bonus bust, and this one hurts. This one hurts me to the core. This has been a a whirlwind relationship with this player. I was so high on him coming out of the draft a couple years ago. I made big moves to acquire him, and you know, I cut ties with him after this season. I ended up moving him in another big trade, and this is kind of the last nail in the coffin. This is the equivalent of, you know, you have a bad breakup, and you take all their possessions in a box and you pour diesel all over it and throw a match on it and that's it. They're out of your heart. My bonus bust for 2021 is Josh Jacobs. Oh, it's I'm getting a little tear in my eye just saying it. Uh, he's going right now at the end of the second round. His ADP is at the 211. He's the RB16 off the board. Um, we had him ranked much lower than that. We had him ranked at the bottom of our running back two at uh, running back 21. And here's the thing. This is based on his ADP, not his talent. Nothing has changed in that regard. And we've seen the explosion. We've seen the big games when he's on, he's on. When he gets those goal line opportunities, he makes hay while the sun shines and all that. But the problem is he has already in his couple of seasons he's taken a back seat at times um when they're in you know passing mode they'll bring in uh like Theo Riddick and Devonte Booker like guys who couldn't crack the roster of a bad team and they bring him in and you've got a super talented running back 
and you're putting him on the bench for them. Now they brought in Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake going into last year was everybody's, you know, everyone's calling for him to be a breakout top 10 running back for the whole season. This is, I've talked about it before, this is, I think, about the Raiders trying to establish a powerful one-two punch. We've seen other teams do this with success. We saw a little bit of this in New Orleans for years with Kamara and Ingram. We obviously, you know, Cleveland likes what they're doing and they're locking it up. And I think that that's what John Gruden wants to be about. He wants to be about smash mouth football. He wants to build up his defense and just outpower the other team. And having Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake in your backfield is a good way to do it. It could also be a statement about their concerns for Jacobs holding up. Um, he only missed one game last year, but he had, a, as an owner or as a manager that had Jacobs on his team, I can tell you he had a lot of games where he was questionable up to game time, got a full workload for the first half, and then five carries in the second half. Uh, he struggled with shoulder injuries, leg injuries. And he always wants to play through. Maybe this is their way of kind of, you know, load management, right? The offensive line in Vegas this year has been greatly, I'll say, restructured. Maybe not worse. They brought in a lot of young pieces. They drafted a couple. Um, I think the one kind of veteran that's still around is Richie Incognito, and, and he's kind of leading the way. But it takes time to establish a rhythm. When you've got so many young pieces and so many new pieces on an offensive line, it takes time to establish that rhythm, and it affects everything around you. It affects the passing game, but more so it affects the running game. So I think Jacobs will be just fine, but I can't spend my second pick on a player whose quote-unquote workhorse role might be in flux and who may take time to kind of find his stride and carve out his new role with his team. Well, this sounds like you're looking for some closure. Yep. And I still feel like this is like Putty and Elaine, where you and Jacobs are going to get back together and break up probably four more times throughout his career. So I hope I get him on my roster so I can send you some trade offers with Josh Jacobs in there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, that is our that is our uh, list of sleepers, breakouts, and busts. These are names that you need to know. And we made mention of this in Fantasy One Hundred and One. But when you're doing your draft prep, when you're putting together your personal rankings, make a note of these guys. Right? Put a little put a little uh, X beside their names and say, "Oh, yeah, Kyle didn't like Josh Jacobs. I don't want any part of that." Or if you think I'm a total, you know, ding dong. Go ahead and draft them. It's your funeral. More championships for me. But make note of these guys so that on draft day, you're not scratching your head or saying, hey, can we take a five-minute break so I can go check the podcast because I forgot what they said on episode 54 (laughs) and I really want to make it happen. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like those players. And if anybody out there, I know we asked a long time ago for some early, early breakout ideas, but if anybody out there has a, uh, you know, a favorite sleeper or a favorite uh, breakout or bust that you don't mind sharing with us, send it in. We'd be happy to put it into the fan zone next week. Anyways, I am excited. This has been a great episode. For the first time in about 100 episodes, we are not over time. We're right on time, and I like it. We're down to business, but we're not quite there yet. We got to take the ball down the field. We got no timeouts. Let's hit the two-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football two-minute drill. So... Jeff, you can relate to this. I can relate to this. And I'm sure that most of our listeners can relate to this. We're busy people. Unfortunately, our career is not just playing fantasy football. We've got families. We've got kids. We've got jobs. We've got friends. We've got, you know, ballroom dancing classes, whatever it might be. You've got a lot of things and you need to balance fantasy football. You need to have that that life-work balance. I'm talking about that life-fantasy football balance. It is our favorite pastime, but it's got to fit in with the rest of our lives. So it can be as time-consuming as you make it. There's some people who just set it and forget it early in the week and hope for the best. And there's other people I know that uh, they fiddle with their lineups right up to that, you know, 1259, right before the early games kick off on Sunday. No matter how much time and energy you commit to your lineup each week, though, you need to do it sometime. So when and where do you do most of your fantasy management? Is the bathroom like your boardroom? 
Do you wake up early for a coffee with your injury report? Do you fall asleep scrolling practice practice reports? Do you set an alarm in the middle of the night to see what happened when waivers went through? We want to know, Falcomaniacs, how do you do what you do? Yeah, we do. It is such a great question this time of year, too. Um, Side note, I just traded for the first overall pick in our draft, and the last three nights since I've acquired it, I've fallen asleep watching highlight film from the rookie uh, quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely one of those guys that's scrolling in the middle of the night. Uh, but yeah, Falcomaniacs, we want to hear from you. You can send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. DM us or respond to our Instagram story poll at Falcomaniacs or leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. As well, you can always reach out to us with any of your fantasy questions, whether for your draft, keeper questions, trade advice, whatever you like. We are happy to help. And speaking of help, we need some help from you. If you're a regular listener or brand new to the show, please remember to hit that subscribe button, rate and review, and most importantly, share and recommend us to anyone you know who loves fantasy football and having fun. And as we mentioned off the top, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Falcomaniacs and like and share our posts. We want to see the whole fantasy Falcon football community and the whole Falcon football hype train keep picking up steam as the preseason approaches. And we couldn't do any of this without you guys. So thanks so much for listening. Have an amazing week. Andre DeGrasse won the gold in the 200 meters. And don't forget to set your Falcon lineups. Woo!